Welcome to the Arms Race. This is the podcast where we attempt to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, usually by watching every Sylvester Stallone movie one at a time, but today we have a bonus episode. I'm Kevin Keane. And I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be discussing Dread, released by Lionsgate on September 7th, 2012, starring Carl Urban, Olivia Thirlby, Lena Headey, Wood Harris, Langley Kirkwood, Junior Singo, Luke Tyler, and Donald Gleason. Screenplay by Alex Garland. Based on the character created by John Wagner and Carlos Escara, directed by Pete Travis. You made this joke before we started, but today we'll be discussing Dread is very ominous, but uh, the film Dread. In, in, yes. in many in many ways, yes. Uh, yeah, Dread. Is interesting watching this so close after watching Judge Dread, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, and you know, so I, I know, I don't know, I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it shortly after it was released you know probably the the dvd release yeah same we were just talking about pre-online netflix that when you would get discs in the mail i think that's how i watched it i think i got really the netflix uh disc in the mail thing. i didn't even I, this is interesting i didn't know you subscribed to netflix oh with the discs oh i was way into that i would get two movies a week did not know that. for a while anyway oh. eventually i got to the point where it was like oh right i have that disc for i've had that disc for four months and i never returned <laughs> Everyone got to that point with the pre-online Netflix eventually. but yeah. were, were you one of the ones that were very, very aggravated when they tried to split the company in two? And uh, did you have oh, by that point, the I point? had stopped getting okay. the discs in the mail. That was okay. long gone. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it's... I, was, I don't think I saw this in theaters. I think I saw it after it was out, released in uh, DVD. Yeah, so I know I, I commented in the Judge, Judge Dread episode that the tone certainly uh, was a lot different. And it was, but... I, and, and maybe you're going to say I'm crazy, but watching it now, it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't as, it wasn't as gloomy and as like as dark as I remembered for some reason. And, and maybe, <laughs> may, maybe it's just 2020 has, yeah, I don't um, know. I mean, honestly, no, I'm not saying it's uplifting. What I'm no, saying no, no. is that I honestly thought the tone and like the gruesome, I, I thought it was far more brutal. Not again, not that this is, uh, a, you know. <laughs> Uh, a, a Disney movie in any way, but yeah. I, when I watch it, I'm like, this wasn't nearly as bleak as I remember. Yeah, I think it's context. I yeah, I was going to make the same joke that you made. It's just, you know, 2020 slash 2021 is watching it now as opposed to, you know, dystopias. Watching dystopian movies feels different now somehow. <laughs> um, it is bleak in... I think it's that um, it's presenting a world that even though it's the future and it's it's cursed dystopian, earth. yeah, it's, the, it's not just the cursed earth in this movie; it's also the cursed city. Yes, it's, he he makes it he, he makes it clear that it's not just outside the walls; things are really messed up. It's also in here; it's real messed up too. No, no, James Earl Jones for this though. It's actually Dread himself doing the intro. Yeah, yeah, which which I think is appropriate. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it's it's more like conceptually grim because they talk about like you get some statistics about like so and so many uh, reports of crimes we can only respond to six percent yeah. <laughs> it's like that's grim just you know but it's not really on the screen it's more like theoretical like you hear a statistic like that it's like that's boy i wouldn't want to live in a world like that um you know as bad as things seem more than six percent of crimes are being responded to i think it's fair it's safe to say in in the present day um but yeah i agree it's not it just felt like a movie. It didn't really feel like... And that's kind of my takeaway is... Unquestionably, this is a better movie than Judge Dredd. Oh, what? <laughs> I mean... I, and I, I mean, I thought that going into this, without a doubt, but the bar wasn't very high, but... No. Um, 
I, I actually, I, I came out of this, I think it's a better movie in a number of facets. So I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on how it's a better movie. Well, okay. Well, better in a number of facets, but not better overall. Is that what you're saying? Oh, better overall without okay, a okay. doubt. Yeah, but. Well, but I was, I was going to have a big butt to it because it's like, I, I, I watched this movie, like, that's good, but I don't want to go so far as to say it's bland. Because it's, yeah, it was more bland than I remembered it being. I wouldn't I'd go so far as to say it's, it's bland. It's, it's, but it's just, it's very kind of basic in a way that I didn't remember it being. And it, that's, it's not that it's bad. It's just, you know, comparing the two movies, it's like Judge Dredd's a bad movie, but I could rattle off 10 memorable scenes. In 10 years, if you were to say, name 10 scenes from Judge Dredd, name 10 scenes from Dredd, I'll be able to do it for Judge Dredd. But Dredd, I don't know what what happens in this movie. Guys shoot at each other, and it's like it's it's when you're in it, when you're watching it, and you're in the moment. It's like yeah, I'm engaged. But now talking about it after the fact, it's just like I don't know what to talk about. It's just it's kind of a it's it's kind of a nothing movie, you know. Not necessarily saying that. In a, I mean, it sounds pretty negative, but I'm just saying there's not much I, really I, there. No, no, I uh, your your point is probably best made of name name five scenes. Judge Dredd, without a doubt, you can. None of them are good, but no, they're, they're memorable. memorable because they're bad. Yes. This yeah. is a very, I mean, <laughs> the judge going, we have no case in the middle of that court scene. <laughs> you know, I'll remember that forever. I'll remember, you know, Dredd and Rico going, you betrayed the law. <laughs> you will that one. And I, yeah, the, to have an attorney, we have no we case. Have no case. <laughs> that really made me laugh when I was editing that episode. So now it's much more memorable than I thought. But see, we're laughing about Judge Dredd. I don't know. There's not much really no, about this Dredd is- where it's like, you know not like oh that's awesome also but also nothing going like oh that was terrible and laughable it was just it's very kind of middle of the road i think i think that that's a fair criticism or or observation i don't even know if it's a criticism yeah it's not a criticism it is very 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 straightforward in terms of uh plot i think what makes it a challenge for me and i i think as i recall from the previous episode when we said we were doing this you said you hadn't seen the raid i think the real tough thing for me is that the raid has a similar construct, right? But because it's f- there's far more m- memorable scenes to it because it's um, it's a different type of action. It's not it's not gunfights. It's martial arts, right. and so I think for me, I like they came out basically around the same time, or we're filming around the same time. The challenge with Dread is that you're right. There isn't a ton that's memorable. It's not bad either. I I think that I think in terms of just the construct of the plot itself. I, I think having Dread go out, you know, a, a day in the life, if you will, with somebody he's training, mm-hmm. and having the dynamic of you know you've got the you've got the judgment right that that he has with people within mega city but i think what's more interesting is his judgment of the rookie officer and and kind of that storyline i think is far more interesting i think reveals a little bit more i you know i don't know the comic yeah but i was far more interested in like that and that there is some discretion there and he isn't this just like stallone i don't know if that was stallone's choice or that's what the character really is there there was this like ideal of this is the law, and that's it. I, mm-hmm. I, that, I don't buy that. And yeah. I think that this version is closer to... It's far more interesting to me, and I think a little bit more realistic as well. Yeah, I mean, the character... I, Based on both of these movies, I think it's clear that the character in the comic book must just be a blank 
cipher. He's just, you know, he's there to enforce the law. He has no real personality traits of his own. He's just, I am the law and I'm going to enforce the law. And I think the way Carl Urban chooses to portray that is much more interesting because I think I think it's there in his performance and the fact that you never see his eyes and you know he, he's he's in the mask the whole time. Um, maybe that's helping because you know I think Stallone it feels like he's trying to I don't know be heroic like he's making an effort to be I'm the hero and Carl Urban's version of this character is just basically just blank. He's just like I've got. Here's what we're going to do, and we're going to do it. It's not, you know, like they had this conversation early early in the movie where they're heading into that uh, block, and we'll we'll dig into the plot, but they're heading into this giant block, this building. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot what they called Mega. Peach trees. Yeah, peach trees. Um, Is that particular one, you know. What are they called? Mega structures, I guess. Yeah. Um, And uh, his partner, this girl he's been partnered with, Anderson, is talking about how she grew up in one of these places, and she wants to make a difference, and, uh, you know, she thinks she can. And he just has one line where he just goes like, I forget what the word he says, like, admirable. No, admirable. Admirable. Yeah. And it's not entirely clear. Like, everything in Carl Urban's performance feels like he's withholding something. Like, is he being sincere? Is he being sarcastic? Unclear. He's he's withholding the intention of it. It's like, it could be either. And I, kind of everything is that. He's just, he's he's so closed up. He's trying to, he's not letting anything through. He's not letting any emotion through. He's not letting any sense of who he is inside through. And I, and I think that's an intentional choice by Carl Urban. It, it, it works for me. It, it's kind of, it's the kind of thing where I don't particularly love this movie, and I don't think it did very well. So there was never a sequel. But I would I liked his performance enough that I would be interested in see. You know, this feels like a part of a series. It's like you said, it's a day in the life, and it feels like just like you know, it doesn't feel like this movie is trying to tell the entire story of Dread. No, it's it, just like oh, it's one adventure, and he could go on ten more it, like this. In particular, because I I actually watched the DVD and I watched a few of the extras. To get, I got a little bit of the history of the comics because at the time this movie came out, it was like the 35th anniversary, and I think that's probably part of the reason why the you know a, a new rendition of the movie was coming out. Okay, but what the the creators made a, a big deal in that featurette is that actually Mega City itself, they're like it it in itself, you don't necessarily see in this movie or in the movies, but it's it's as important of a character, meaning there are so many different because. It, the little bit you could tell and they revealed, it's like Gotham City multiplied by 10 times in right. terms of some of the absurdity that's going on. So the point being is that, yes, this is one day in the life. He, Dread the character, it seems like, is just the the grounding force of the, you know, the mystery of the week, you know, if you will, in the comics. So, yeah, there's a lot more that could be done. I think it did well enough. It didn't do overwhelmingly well enough to justify another movie at the time. But back to your kind of the, the admirable, I, what what was interesting to me is I agree with you. I think you could take it either way. And I, I kind of appreciate, I actually took that as sincere, but I can completely see where somebody else might have a different take on this movie and his performance to say, no, I took it a completely different way. Yeah, and that he wasn't being sincere; he was being sarcastic. I don't know. Maybe sarcastic is the wrong word, but yeah, it, but it, it felt well. It felt like there were shades of both condescending or so, something yeah. that, that, along those lines. Well, because it's like, yeah, I think this movie portrays Dread as uh, ultimately a good, a good cop, a good judge in a really bad, you know, environment and a bad system, just all of it. But he's doing, you know, he's <clears throat> heroic. I think is wrong because I don't think he's necessarily doing it to to for any reason other than just like, well, this is my job and I'm right. going to, he just, that's just who he is. He's going to do the best he can. 
and um, but also he's been doing it long enough that it feels like there's a certain amount of cynicism in his character oh, where yes. it's like where it's like why bother even helping this this you know peach trees it's a it's a slum it's it's run by this gang it's like it's, you, it's beyond saving from his point of view and to she's a certain here to, extent but do you think that though because i think you get more of that you don't get much from the the 911 police the the corrupt ones right from them with 100% you get it the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. cynicism i think there's a little bit but i at in the end i i think for him it's that this is the job i'm going to do the job to the best of my ability yeah, well, I guess my, what I'm saying is it's it's not clear. There's it's just one possible read of that line of of admirable. It's like that's because he does kind of say I forget what the line was, but something to the effect of you know you really think you could help here or like this, this place. But at the same time, when they respond to the call, he doesn't say well, that's 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 a waste of time or anything right. like that. Like he's like, okay, let's go. Let's let's. Well, yeah, because he he also does put it up. He he leaves it up to her. To make the decision of where the sickness, and it's moments like that that actually the reason why I actually I enjoyed watching because the Stallone I don't even know if it's Stallone's dread, but that version there just was nothing interesting because it's like well this is the law and I I don't even know how to describe it there was no it seemed like there was no humanity in the character whatsoever. I think that despite the performance that you're saying that it's kind of reserved stoic, I think there's actually a decent amount of humanity and discretion shown in this in, in particular, like saying we can only respond to 6%. It's your, it's your evaluation. Where should we allocate it? And then yeah. he, he follows through, right? He says, I left it up to you. And even if dread thought, why are we, why are we responding to this? We're not really going to be able to make a difference. He followed through and said, "This is where you think we should be. All right, this is where we're going to go." Yeah, he did, but I th- it's 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 really hard to get a sense of his motivation for doing that because it could just be, well, this is part of her assessment is this decision of what to respond to, and so I have to see she's made this decision, and so now I need to see how she's going to respond to making this decision. Like, it, I don't necessarily know. It's it's so hard to tell, and I think that's by design. He's just a very. Um, you know he he is a very closed off character. He's, he's unreadable in a lot of ways. So I I don't know. I I agree. There's more humanity in Carl Urban's performance of this character than Stallone's. Um, because at the end of the day, Judge Dredd, the movie, it's not really about Dredd doing his job. He's been framed and he's out, he ends up right. in the cursed earth and you know, he's got to clear his name. It's not really it's him being a judge. You get one scene of that. And you get a few of them, and but even in those. That you there's like no humanity there. I mean, with the right. the 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 judgment that he makes when they first arrive in this one at, at Peach Trees, and there's a vagrant there, right? Yeah, it's a crime, but where is the priority? The priority is responding to a homicide. So basically, he says, you know, don't be don't be here when I get back. Yeah, I, but I, it's also portrayed as it's not it's not his motivation isn't any kind of altruism. It's but it's, it, it's priorities. We can't. We don't have time for this. But you know? I'm t- at least in my view from from that from the dumb scene with the the parking tickets or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is the difference there is that no that there was no humanity whatsoever. I mean, it was like a machine, Judge Dredd. Where this, it's like no, I'm going to use some discretion, and if he if you're back when I get back here, there's going to be problems, and actually there was. But the point is, is that I th- honestly think in Judge Dredd. It's handled in an, in an irrational, inhuman way. Yeah, I th- but I also think because I did see in the Wikipedia article for this movie that that one scene of the reasons, was supposed to be different. 
No, no, no. I'm saying in in I I in the the Wikipedia article for Dread, which I only looked at because I was pulling the release date, I happened to see a line in there about there was criticism about Dread, the 2012 movie, about how it was missing the satirical element of the original comic, which we were questioning is was the what Judge Dread the comic satirical or not? We couldn't tell based on Judge Dread because it seemed like it was kind of trying to have it both ways. So. What you're saying, I agree with, but I also think that the, probably the original intention in the movie Judge Dredd was that lack of humanity and that totally rational following the letter of the law to the point of madness was supposed to be satirical. But then when the director mishandled the material and Could be. didn't it didn't really portray it properly, it just seems dumb, you know, as opposed to you know laughably dumb, satirically <laughs> dumb, you know. So I, I guess you know what I have to say to that though. What's that? We have no case. <laughs> It's true. We have no case. We don't, we've never seen. Well, we've never read the uh, comic books. So we have no case. We have no can idea. I, can I? I know that I, you already do more of the work on this podcast than me. But can you just take this under advisement? I know. You know. Probably, we don't know how many episodes we have left. If we're going to do anything after Sloan, but I would love for the Devil's Advocate to have a button. We have no case. <laughs> One of us can't answer. <laughs> that's that's a great idea. I will absolutely do that. <laughs> This is a bonus episode, so we don't have a soundboard, but yeah, for our next full episode. I mean, I don't know if I it'll ever be useful, a, but I think that would be hilarious. I think that we is no truly case. a wonderful idea, and I will uh, text me like a day before the next time we All record right. just to make sure I add it to the soundboard, otherwise I might forget. But, because uh, what's n- now the problem is we're going to each try and come up with some question that the other cannot answer just to be able <laughs> yes. to use the button. We have to be careful not to overuse the soundboard, because yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going to have to find a good YouTube clip of it because i'm not paying for that movie again but um i know that the if, if i if i remember correctly the scene it, it's immediately preceded by a, a big bombastic musical sting so if i can get so it's just like we have no case then i will i will be over the moon happy hopefully we can get a good sound pull off, off if, of uh, YouTube. if you can pull it off the dvd i can get you the dvd just so you know <laughs> you can get me the dvd well, yeah because it's at the library i wasn't oh, gonna okay, pay for enough. that movie <laughs> Yeah, I, okay. Not I, I, I couldn't believe Judge Dredd was still at the library. I'm like, this is amazing. Okay, well, I'll, maybe I'll do that. All right, sorry. So you, uh, my, I've diverted us enough. You want to talk about the plot? Where? How do we want to handle this one since it's a bonus episode? We can talk about the plot. Yeah, I mean, um, well, just to finish our conversation there, I think the one thing, I think because the, the satire is drained out of this movie, I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I find it kind of bland. Because it doesn't, I feel like this this movie it's got fairly competent action scenes and it's yeah. it's it's you know reasonably thrilling as you're watching it. Of, oh, are they going to get get through this? And uh, you know, but the the future that is presenting without any real Paul Verhoeven esque satire, it just doesn't seem that interesting. I guess that's my final thought, and just maybe why this feels bland to me because it's like there's nothing really. I, not that I, I need every action movie or any movie to have every every movie to have social commentary. It's not necessarily what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for some some kind of world building that makes it seem interesting. And I don't know. There's, there's that much here. I can see that, but I think that where that shortcoming is derived from that it it effectively took the diehard approach. You don't really see much of Mega City because the day effectively the day in the life, right? Other than the very very you know kind of beginning intro into Dread. Uh, meaning, like you know, him in the chase sequence, it all takes place on one raid, one not even a full day 
in one building. So I yeah. I understand, but it's an enormous building. You could have a whole little like mini culture, this mini society just contained in this building, seventy thousand people. That's you, like the size of a city. You could. You're right. And I think if this was a serialized TV show, you probably get something like that. I think, but the challenge is the way. And I I actually I like the choice to be that. It's you know it's effectively you know a, a, a newer diehard that because they chose that this this is what we're gonna do right we're gonna have slow mo at the top and they're gonna work their way up I just I think that the script doesn't doesn't allow for you to do any world building or exploration I'm not saying that you know you're wrong I'm just saying that because the choice of how they decided to show the script or write the script i'm not sure they really left any room for it well i have one thing i mean we should get to the plot and i'll 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 say it when we get to it but i think there is one thing they could have done in terms of world building that i think would have made made this it made it work better for me okay i guess we'll put it that way all right um but yeah plot wise it is is pretty straightforward i mean you you get a little bit of a an opening action sequence i mean judge dread is very I think we talked about it when we covered Judge Dredd the movie, but the character Judge Dredd, I think, is pretty clearly based on Dirty Harry. It's a futuristic oh, yeah. Dirty Harry. And so I think this movie has an opening sequ- scene that is kind of like a Dirty Harry movie, where Dirty Harry movies generally would have this, where there's one little crime that Dirty Harry breaks up and he's got to save the day and then move on to the main story. So I guess in Bond movies are like this too. It's like here's yeah. a little mini adventure. Yeah. So I don't know if there's anything to talk about there. Uh, no, but I can confirm that because in the featurette that I watched, uh, it came out in 1976, I think. The comic did. Yeah, okay. and it it was in you know it's again it's a British comic, uh, two, and I'm not familiar with it, but 2000 AD, and I and the answer was they wanted to do you know something sci-fi because a movie in the United States, uh, a space opera. Nobody had been really been doing sci-fi and comics, and they decided, uh, I think based on the success of Star Wars, that uh, they'd try a sci-fi you know, comic, uh, which you know, wasn't, wasn't the thing at the time. And Judge Dredd was actually just a, like one of many characters within 2000 AD, the comic, right. and he was 100% Dirty Harry. And they say, like, all right, yeah, he was... He was a dirty it's, hairy ripoff. It's pretty. It's pretty clear. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, so I mean that's that's and that's usually the scene that everyone remembers in the, in the dirty hairy movies. You know what I mean? Like I, I, it's been a while since I've seen all. I, I mean, I've I've watched the first dirty hairy more than any of the rest of them. But um, you know, the, the opening scene is you know, do you feel lucky? That's that's what that. Right. It, it's the it's the scene that has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, but it's there only to so that Dirty Harry can be cool and deliver a cool line. Yeah. And then in the fourth one, I want to say is where he says, uh, "Go ahead, make my day." In in a very similar scene, the opening of the movie is just like a you know a robbery or whatever, and he breaks it up. So yeah, I mean that's basically all this is. It's just a, a moment where he can Judge Red can be cool, and they just establish him. He he burns a guy's skull off or whatever. Yeah, and they they do establish and I, so maybe this is a good point uh, or an opportunity. I, and I I don't know if this is me projecting, but if the success of the you know Nolan you know Batman movies of trying to ground you know things in real comics in reality, I don't know if that had an influence and aspect here. But here's my question: Is that I kind of felt that that vibe you know overlaid into this is that you know the success of those in particular. The 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 lawgiver actually felt somewhat plausible, you know, 
to me, e- even that one, which was very much, I think, Dirty Harry of, you know, <laughs> Hot Shot or whatever. Well, yeah. And of course, all I could think, I could not get Dennis Hopper. And maybe it's because it was Speed was on the other day. I could not get Dennis Hopper out of my head. Uh, pop Quiz Hot Shot. Um, but I, I kind of came away from that opening sequence not necessarily focused on the Dirty Harry, which I should have been because it's very clear that you're right. Um, but I kind of came away that it felt a little more grounded in reality, certainly than Judge Dredd. And I wondered if, you know, the, the Nolan movies had an influence there. Yeah. I, I, part of that is just, they can do a lot more with effects. They can make it feel more real. I mean, I think, I think in the nineties to make a futuristic movie, there was no way you could even come close to making it feel real. So it's like, they would just go in the opposite direction and say, let's just make it feel, you know, crazy and just push, push it in the other direction. And I think like, 89 Batman was a big influence because like Gotham, Gotham City was yeah. just this crazy like special effects extravaganza. Um, but I don't know. I like uh, the depiction in this movie of Mega City of just it's it it does feel much more like it feels like they just took drone footage or helicopter footage over like a a, a real city and then just added special effects to make it look more dilapidated and added like a, occasionally add one of these giant mega structures like it. Well, I think so because I think most of I think that the you know his bike I think all of that stuff much like the Nolan movies I think they were actual were it, it wasn't CGI almost all of the stuff in this was actual practical effects and, yeah. and physical effects. Yeah, no, it works for me. I th- I think it uh, you know it's all in the background, but I, I guess they go into that mall and there's all like that's the most satirical when oh, they cleaning go into the up mall with and, the yeah the like what robotic uh, cleaner comes in and just like. Yeah. You know, we'll be open back up in like thirty minutes <laughs> yeah, or whatever. And the body it was. is still there. Uh, yeah, that's that's probably maybe the only satirical moment in this whole movie. Yeah, because most of the rest of it is then just spent. Yeah, them making their way up uh, peach trees. Yeah, I and and maybe that's the that's maybe the most interesting thing about it is it's this everything Judge Dredd says in the narration of just like, this place is awful. Like this is a you know horrible place to live, you know, or the ruins of the old civilization or whatever. But then there's still malls and there's still like people trying to go about their days. And I don't know, maybe that's, maybe. It, didn't, it didn't look that bad is what you're saying. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's kind of similar to what we were talking about before. You know, so sometimes you just got to step over a dead body to buy some shoes. I mean, to be honest, you know, that mall looked a little more thriving than the malls of... It sure did. That's a very good present point. Present-day America. 2012 could not have predicted how quickly malls would fall apart. Yes. Well, actually, if they would have listened to me in 2012, I would have told you back then. I would have thought, actually, it would have happened sooner than it did. But whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you, for, in terms of the plot, we after the Dirty Harry moment, uh, what, I, he he's called into the captain's office. <laughs> you think it's going to be like Dirty Harry, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. But actually, no. He, he, everything's uh, well, fine. He's just got a new assignment. That's the chief justice, right? That's yeah. not just her captain. Okay. Oh no, yeah. Just, I took that as a, yeah. She. Was I think they say she's the, the chief justice. chief justice, right? And she has a, a special assignment for Dread. Yeah. She has no interest in debriefing him about uh, what happened in this this chase or whatever. <laughs> It's like the chief wants to see you, or the uh, the chief justice wants to see you, and then it's like never whatever the stuff he just did never comes up. It's like uh, I think it's just because everything was a okay. I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's yeah, that's the other thing is this movie isn't is even less interested in 
unpacking the, the uh, a world where these judges are police and jury and executioner and the implications of that. Judge Dredd skirted around it, but at least occasionally, you know, um, not Jurgen Prock now. Um, um, Rob Schneider? <laughs> not Rob Schneider. Who's the chief justice? Uh, oh, Max. Uh, Max um, Vancita, yeah, yeah. Thank you. you know, at least they had that one scene where he's just like, I don't know if you should have, uh, you know, executed those people. And then they move on, but at least they, <laughs> this, this movie is not, is even less interested in being like, is this okay that these judges have this authority? This movie is just like, yes, it is. Um, it, it kind of presents a world where it's like, things are so bad that this is kind of the only recourse. It's fair, but I'm going to go back to at least that opening sequence. It's hard to say. Now, you, you could question, it's like, why was he in that much of pursuit if, and I've got then one of my notes, is that he definitely does jump to a conclusion that they're driving erratically so they're under the influence of narcotics. Well, A, he's correct. B, didn't he get a call saying that they were suspected of some crime, like that, that, robbery or something? That might have been. But driving erratically and jumping to the conclusion they must be under the influence of drugs. I, well, he's, uh, he's pulling them over. It's a traffic stop, and then they run in, they, they, yeah. they flee, and then they hit a pedestrian. Flee in a scene! <laughs> so, I don't... Well, th- it, that's What I'm saying, though, is that if you remove the fact that he's executing them on the spot not i don't think anything in his behavior was no that's the thing is two of them died in the wreck from him chasing so he didn't execute them and the other one he was holding a hostage. so what i'm saying is that right you're right this movie has no interest in trying to unpack whether or not you know how abusive that authority and how how likely it's not a it's not how you want justice to be meted out in society but all i'm going to say is that this movie basically skirts it because the Dirty Harry scene... Oh, sure. I'm not sure there's anything that's that questionable. And then you basically, the rest of the movie, he's ju- he's basically under fire. It's a war zone. Well, it's really not his fault. Well, that's the thing. is It's kind of what I mean. is They're skirting it by putting him in situations where if this had been set in the 70s and it was starring Dirty Harry, Dirty Harry would have done all of these same things. It wouldn't have... You don't need to be in a futuristic world where... <laughs> and there'd be no the, chap, captain chewing out McGarnacle, right? <laughs> because he did everything that he needed well, to do. yeah. Dirty Harry would have... He would get chewed out by the mayor or whatever. But, um, uh, I, yeah, that, that's the thing is this, these are just things we expect in a cop movie and so nothing seems out of the ordinary. Which, you know, I, I'm not going to... I'm not necessarily bringing it up to as a criticism it's just interesting how i was i i was a little uh, unsure about the way judge dread handled it of just like i'm not really dealing with it and this movie's just like it's not an issue at all <laughs> so it's not whatever but all i'm saying is that because they choose to put him in situations right. where yeah any, anybody in that situation I'm like nope that's probably what you need to do because you're literally under fire in yeah. a war but so. i mean it is a choice this movie is making of, yes. of avoiding it but that's, whatever that's fair uh yeah so he gets a new partner a psychic partner for an evaluation because she's not really a partner she's just there on yeah, he's she's his partner for the day i guess it's true right but anyway she failed all her exams but they're gonna make her a cop anyway well, they're, gonna, well, we, they're gonna put her through the the test anyway. in fairness she failed but it, it's it's not like it was an you know a an epic failure. She was just like under the the cut line. Sure, but he just, that's still failure. That's what Judge Red said. She still she still failed. You know, that's that's below passing. It's true, but there are extenuating circumstances that you know if you if you've got certain powers. Yeah, they want uh, her. political powers. <laughs> it's showtime. Um, if only she could conjure the ghosts of whatever. Uh, <laughs> it was Gandhi, Abraham Lincoln, and somebody, <laughs> somebody else. I don't remember. 
Genghis um, Khan or something. Well, know. one of the hard parts for me is when her name was Ander, uh, Anderson. Yeah. I, I couldn't, and you know, basically there, there was a little minority report in there. And all, I couldn't get Anderton out of my head the rest of the movie, even though I know her name was not Anderton. Oh, sure, yeah. Well, Anderton was not one of the psychics in my hey, No, he was not, but that was... She could have gone murder at some point in this movie, yeah. <laughs> and then fall, like, gone down into a pool of goo. That's all I remember from the trailer, actually. Yeah, that's the, I think that's probably... I don't even know if that's in the movie. I think just maybe it's just in the trailer. I think it might I, only be in the trailer, but what's funny is that the trailer doesn't do really that movie a good justice. I, I enjoy Minority Report. Oh, I love it. Um, I, I genuinely think it's, it's a great movie. But the trailer's not, because I'm pretty sure that they, that's sort of like the give me back my son sure, <laughs> minority yeah. report, because it's in there over every time you see it, but I'm actually not sure. Well, give me back my son's in the movie. I'm not sure that murder is in the movie. <laughs> I don't remember. I haven't seen Minority Report in a while. I'm going to have to watch it and see if murder is... Uh... Yeah, so I, I wish they hadn't named her Anderson, because all I was thinking was Minority Report for the, the rest of the movie. I was waiting for somebody's Minority Report, and there was, wasn't going <laughs> no. to be one. There's not three of them. There's only one of her, so that's true. She, she's a minority of one. That's true. So, yeah, they, they touch on something, which I don't do. You, I, I know we got outside the walls, you know, whatever that cannibal family was. Right. I don't, the cursed earth. Yeah, I don't remember them It really talking about mutants. Uh, I don't do know you? if they talk about it, but I think that's the presumption is those okay. people. If you live outside, because out, outside of the walls, it's all irradiated. So if you live out there, you're getting irradiated and, I guess. and okay. becoming mutants. And she grew up right near the wall. So like there's like spillover, I guess, is the idea. Yeah, I guess so. So I, I just, I didn't remember that. Not that I should take like, you know, the movie Judge Dredd as canon. I just didn't remember it. So that was, it was something like, ah, is well, this? I think both movies are making an attempt to stay pretty true to the comic is my sense because they're I pretty so. consistent with each other in terms of the world obviously the tone is different and like the the way that the city is presented like it's not so fantastical it's a little more like down, flying down cars dirty yeah there's no flying motorcycles and yeah, whatever um but no I, um <laughs> so stupid. but i i would assume that those people outside of the walls in judge dread were mutants the guy with the dial in his head and all that stuff like it yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. So I, I guess you're right. I, I, I didn't think about it when I was watching. I'm not sure they used the word mutants in Judge Dredd. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and also, it, I guess I assume that that's true to the comic, because otherwise, like, why would they bring that up? Because there's that moment where, like, a little later, I'm jumping ahead, but where she sees, like, no mutants, like, uh, graffitied on a wall, and she makes a face, like, oh, yeah. I oh, know. I missed that. Um, it's very brief. But um, but uh, she's a psychic, so the idea of she's a mutant and like th- this is like some like class of people like this the people that are are oppressed or whatever it's like it doesn't really come up. It feels like a thing that was probably from the comic and was dealt with a lot in the comic and in depth. And here it's just like oh yeah she's psychic she's a mutant. It's just it's so it's, really... yeah, it's, the, it's to have the ability there and just explain why she has it. Yeah, I guess so. Because um, yeah, the fact that she's a mutant doesn't seem to matter in the context of this movie anyway. No. Uh, so yeah, and then there's Mama, played by Lena Headley, who is the uh, the head of this gang that's taken over the the tower. What is it again? Southern Gardens? Uh, peach tree. Peach tree. Is it just peach tree? Why did it's I think it was peach, gardens? They say peach trees, but it might be peach tree gardens. Peach trees. I don't know. No, I don't. I, I must have just made up gardens. Maybe the tree is what made me think of it. Uh, yeah. So there were some. Rival gang selling drugs on her turf, and she's... Yeah, there were, there were I guess, three, and none yeah. of them made it. No, she she gave them this 
new drug slow-mo which slows down time to one percent of human perception so we definitely need to talk about that but she didn't give the rival gangs that she well, she, she murdered she, the rival she gangs. Administered, administered it to the them before killing them so oh. that when, they, when they got thrown off the balcony they would okay it would be drawn out in a torturous way so you're talking about just the opening I, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, no, I'm just talking in general i'm jumping ahead to you know when they establish who mama is and that there actually were three organized crime syndicates within the 200 floors of this tower. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And she has successfully consolidated power by murdering all of her rivals. Yes. That, that all happened before the movie started. Yeah, that's yeah. the backstory. And that's getting to what I wanted to talk about is they set up this backstory of there were these three gangs. I don't remember what they were. There was, there was the judged. I remember the judged. Because they had, like, tattoos that were basically like Dred's mask. Right. It was like a mocking of the judges or whatever. Um, I forget the other two gangs. But, like, you know, one one gang controlled, like, floors 1 through 50. And then yeah, the other gang. Whatever. And I saw that, and I went, like, why didn't they just say she consolidated the gangs but keep them? Because I, I think the thing that uh, I don't – I think the problem I have with this this movie is – you know, it should be a, a, a depicting them fighting their way up 200 stories to get to Mama and killing. It's almost like a video game kind of a thing. There's literally levels. And that's more of what the raid actually is, is them actually making their way up. Right. And that's what's happening here, but they don't make a big deal about, like, oh, we're now we're on this floor, we're on this floor. I mean, they, they, they do tell you, but it's not like... It doesn't feel like this grand journey up to the top. And, and I the th- levels don't feel like they're more difficult getting up. They all feel the same. I, think yeah. the, I mean, it's, it's a it's a slum. It's a it's kind of like has a feel of like a housing project. So it makes sense that they'd all feel every level, every floor would feel the same. But I I wish they had kept those gangs so that oh we're in run level thirty and this is controlled by the judge and the the the, the goons are fighting look have a distinction they feel different and then now we're up here we're in this territory and this I is other see, I can see that if they had said it so that rather than killing all the rivals she consolidated them have you ever seen the warriors oh yeah okay so uh, that's that's what i wanted it to be is i can see one that. one charismatic guy he he uh got all the gangs to to stop fighting each other and join up and we're going to take over the city you know and then the warriors are framed for murdering him and they've got to get back home and they got to fight through gang after gang there's the baseball furies and all the different yeah, you know, all these different that. very unique very specific gangs and they keep traveling through these different territories and it's like an odyssey they had to get back home that's what i wanted this to be i thought if they could have kept those gangs not just had them be backstory but say cuz at the end of the day it's just dread and anderson fighting a bunch of nameless goons and pretty much like, i wish they're they could have kept that and given the goons some character I, I excuse me i think that's a fair criticism and i do think it i i think it was an interesting enough movie and an interesting enough take that would have made it better i i, I do think that would have made it more interesting yeah. so that, that would definitely be a good change it would have made it less bland i think that's just, just all it is it Here, just feels very samey the whole the whole way through here's what i want to talk about i definitely want to talk about what do you think it, it seems like they're in the future. There's all these new types of drugs. They've got slow mo. Do you think slow mo or nuke is more destructive on society? It's been a while since I watched. And can, and can you think of any other fake new drugs in the future? <laughs> I guarantee there's a Wikipedia article for fake movie <laughs> drugs. I would love to go through it and see what what oh, uh, drugs are. I think are I'm on. now challenging you. I've given you another idea for a future uh, Silk Cozar corner. If, if we can find a way to you know a movie that makes sense. All right, so there just, wasn't any. Fi- 
future drugs in Judge Dredd, right? Because that was kind of that was no. Because Judge Dredd was he was you're right. He was just framed. It, that's the reason I really think that movie is not that interesting. You're not seeing him do his job. Well, and also I remember us talking about how the criminals in that movie are just murderous. <laughs> they're just they just want chaos. It's like I, Cobra. I, I prefer this where it's at least it's like a gang. They're selling drugs. At, it, right. They, they have a re- <laughs> rational motivation. <laughs> they actually feel like real criminals and not just like <laughs> crazies. Uh, they feel like real criminals. But I prefer that. It, it makes it it's it makes I it agree. feel more real. Um and it also, you know, you understand the the villain's motivation and it's it it's not so um you know, I mean we talked about it on Judge Dredd. You can go back and listen to that. Um but you know, I just have a hard time now in particular of late dealing movies that just deal with criminals as like they're crazy. They just like killing people. It's like, "Come on, don't do that." <laughs> Um, at least give them the motivation. So, all right. Well, so now you tell me. Do you? Do you? So, yeah, based it, on your memory, is nuke or slow mo worse? I. You know, slow mo seems. I'm not. I'm not promoting drug use in any way. But slow mo seems pretty cool. <laughs> I would. I would maybe try slow mo. I'm thinking right now. Wasn't nuke? Wasn't it in like a. Uh, like a plastic container, and they were little vials that you. Oh, it was like nuke. Open. Nuke seemed kind of like a heroin analog if i remember correctly or maybe more like speed but it was it was it was just like we're getting high yeah. it didn't have any like special properties right it was just like it, it gets slow-mo you, it turns gets you, you it's like the matrix it's one per you perceive time traveling at one percent which i i feel like that's very precise it's a very precise number i would have preferred it if it was because it's like it's kind of it's like 10 20 percent well, shouldn't it be based on the dosage like the more you take the slower it goes Ooh, and then and then there's an interesting question I so feel, if you take four doses of slow-mo are you at like 0.25 percent right. well i was wondering like can you od on slow-mo and if if you do what does that feel like because actually it kind of gave me like chills thinking about it because i was just like imagine if uh, I I'm going to add on to the lore of this movie and and, and speculate that if you OD on slow mo, your time just stops and you are trapped in that moment forever. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing about but no about OD it's a fictional drug, whatever it's future drugs. But I'm just saying to to everybody else, like like you know, if I'm if I'm sitting here ODing on slow mo, from your point of view, I'll just keel over and die. But from my point of view, I am str- in the, the moment of death. Stuck. I am trapped in the moment of death forever, which is a nightmare. That's actually awful. It's awful. So that's that's what I think what I would have preferred. Because slow mo, yeah, it's 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 kind of a MacGuffin. It's like she's selling slow mo. She's going to take over the the yeah. you know, her little block because she's making all this money selling slow mo. It's, it's the hot new drug on the streets or whatever that guy says. So nuke isn't cool anymore, kids. Now <laughs> slow mo's the thing. I haven't seen RoboCop two in so long. I don't. Know. I can't I. compare nuke to slow mo. What's funny is you want to talk about memorable. I not that I like RoboCop two. I do enjoy RoboCop. RoboCop two not so much. RoboCop three is really bad. But talking about memorable, I remember nuke. Oh, sure. I will never forget nuke. Probably for the rest of my life. I remember the name nuke. I, I guess my point is nuke is. I, I feel like in RoboCop two, my memory is that nuke is depicted as very dangerous and people are dying from overdosing on nuke or whatever. Whereas this doesn't. It's not clear how dangerous slow mo is. Well, you you burn your mouth or something from the inhaler. You do burn your a, mouth at a minimum. Yeah, is it addictive? Is it how dangerous is it? Can you die from it? It's not clear how hard of a drug this is. I gotta imagine it's addictive if it's that lucrative of a business. Probably. I gotta imagine it's addictive. I would imagine. So, 
I, I guess uh, not that I wanted the whole movie to like, delve into it. Like whatever. It's, yes. It seems oh. it's probably a, a pretty hard narcotic. I would say. Well, it certainly is an awful way to die. No matter what, even if it's not what you're saying of ODing, the fact she throws these guys <laughs> off of the 200th floor, yeah, at one percent time moving. That's pretty bad. I forgot she'd skin them because my first instinct um, <clears throat> when I, I watched it, I, I watched it twice, and the, the the first time I watched it. I went like you know she's just kind of giving them more time of like, to be alive like she or at least perceived time to be alive but then I, I forgot that she had skinned them before and I'm sending sure, them up yeah. so that's that's got to be extending the agony skin of, them and their face first looking two hundred stories down of where they're gonna hit yeah I guess if not for the skinning part because at the end to, not to jump away to the end but the end that's Mama's fate is she she ends up at the same fate except she wasn't skinned so I think I would prefer. Being given slow mo and then being thrown off a balcony, then just being thrown off a balcony. Because being thrown off a balcony, you just have like eight seconds of terror and then you're dead. I, at least <laughs> slow mo, you have like a moment to, to come to peace with your, the fact that you're about to die and to okay. you know, like to, wait, to, wait, like, wait, wait, hold on. I got, I got the terror would pass after twenty seconds. It's like, well, let me, <laughs> let me just you know contemplate. This is going so many great places. I'm gonna. I'd like you to speculate some more. What do you think would be? What would Hans Gruber use his extra time to go through his head if he were on slow-mo when he was falling off of the Nakatomi building? Um, you'd probably go back through and um, you know critique what went wrong. What, I think it's what, what he what could have done differently. Yeah. Who was on the crew? Maybe that ultimately was the undoing. What you know was it McLean or was it that he didn't have the right crew? All that stuff he'd be going yeah, through. I, I feel like he would be blaming his crew more than McLean. Like you know he obviously didn't like McLean, but. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he would, it would just be him uh, just furious that uh, his well-laid plans did not uh, come off. Would, would the arm, do you think the arms flail as much for Hans on the way down if, if he's on slow-mo? Or do you think like every, like you actually move slower too yourself? What do you think? Well, I think you're, in, in real time, you move the same okay, speed. Okay, so, so his arms would still be flailing. But from his point of view and his perception, they'd be moving really slow. <laughs> really slow. Yeah, because... So what he be thinking, man? Why are my arms moving <laughs> so slow right now? Um, yeah, that would be uh, I, that would be weird to be traveling at one percent. Because well, because they're well, we're kind of getting there where they Dread and Anderson arrive, and uh, we kind of already talked about the conversation they have when they arrive, and they go up to to investigate the three people who were thrown off the balcony, and they find this drug uh, like distribution place and. They shoot a couple guys and they bust everybody else. And there's a. This is probably the most memorable scene in the movie for me is the slow motion shootout where those yeah. guys are high on slow mo and, you know, judges buzz, burst in there and it's like, oh! <laughs> but. That, that, that they slow mo doesn't let you move fast. They're no. still going like trying to reach for the guns. And Dread like, is much faster and much better than them. Well, that's the thing is, I was thinking like, should, wouldn't that be an advantage if your if your perceptions are one percent? Like, yes, your arm can only move so fast. But you would ha- the reaction time, just being able to like aim perfectly, because things are you have so much more time. So to- you're thinking like the Quicksilver in you know like yes. the X Men movies that you should be able. To. But apparently not. I-, I imagine that whatever this drug does, it's 
whatever benefit you're getting from reaction time is being countered by some, physical limitations yeah, and you something. still can only move as fast as you normally would. Right, or some kind of however, you know, whatever the effect is, it's it's counteracting. Because Quicksilver's benefit is that he moves faster than everybody else, so everybody else appears to be moving slow. Right. Where slow-mo, you're just seeing things very slowly, but you can't actually move any faster. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you can't, yeah, you can't run around in the room and, <laughs> and mess with things. Um, that would be, that drug would be, like, I An feel like... An instant hit. Yeah, I feel like Mama would rule the city, the entire... Yes. Yeah, Eight billion people, or whatever. So, yeah, uh, I, well, I don't know, is that the most memorable scene for me? I think so. It's one of the more unique shootouts in a movie I've ever seen. Yeah, it definitely is, especially because you get like the the ripple from the the initial blast on the door and the ripple on the on, like the guard with the shotgun. Yeah. That that definitely is very memorable. And you know, I I don't love CGI squibs, but there's there's no other way to do a scene like this where guys are like, like shot in the cheek and stuff like that. It looks okay. It, yeah. it holds up okay. Um I know I complained about CGI squibs on the Rambo on the Rambo comma the fourth one <laughs> episode. <laughs> Um, but this movie handles it okay because you can't you can't do a real squib on a guy's skin like you'll, no. you'll hurt the guy. So yes. what else can you do? Especially their face. Sure, yeah. We're gonna put a squib in your cheek. Don't worry. They'll be walking around like uh, Buscemi and fucker. I got shot in the face. <laughs> she the other guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's that's for me. That's the one scene I'll probably remember because the rest of the shootouts. I mean, it, it, the reason why it's shot that way is because the guys in there are all high on slow-mo, so yes. th- that's the way they're perceiving it. I also like the kind of sheen they put over that. I don't know what kind of color timing or color treatment they're doing. It's like, it's like you're looking through a puddle with like oil, you know, it's like yeah. everything's kind of like has like a rainbow filter on it. Yeah. It's a cool effect. Yes, overall, and felt that probably also felt the most comic book, you know, probably of of all of of all the sequences in the movie. Yes, without, but also without feeling like a Zack Snyder movie. Yeah, because that, that's the thing he loves to do is slow things down. It's like, oh, it's like a comic book panel where everything's like kind of barely moving. It, it didn't. I think I would have rolled my eyes if it was that. That's fair. No, it didn't feel like that. It felt it felt justified. So with that bust, uh, Dread does not does not execute the dealer that is there which is ultimately how then basically the rest of the movie the, the whole rest of the script unwinds which it, it admits later in the movie <laughs> that if, if i think if i had, we had just executed you down there that mama would have let us walk out the front door right um it, it's because well, Ant- the only reason why they don't execute him is because uh um anderson is 99 percent. we can't execute him on 99 percent. it's like you can't okay this is a very different movie than i was gonna one. wait i was gonna say because i'm not actually sure that's the case because do you think most in judge dread do you think they were even 80 percent no. sure in some of no those? were they even 50 percent sure yeah no judge dread at the very least i mean it's clear that other judges are are crooked and you know we, we meet them later but judge dread is very very um i mean i guess he's still following the letter of the law or at least in this case he means it's like well i mean I, there can't be there there can't be a rule in the book saying if if a psychic if a is psychic yeah, is with you. psychic evidence what are the rules for psychic evidence <laughs> I think he just It's like DNA evidence it needs to be locked down 100%. Yeah. I mean it 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 feels like he's just making a judgment call but he is. I mean he's a judge so I guess everything's a judgment call. But um uh, But it mostly comes down to it's because it 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 is the hinge 
for the entire plot. I mean, right. the, the whole rest of the movie is dependent on the the dealer that's captured having information that Mama doesn't want to leave the building. Well, it, it, well, it's interesting because now that we're talking about it, you know, this isn't the wire. This isn't like I, they're not investigating Mama. There's not some kind of long term investigation to try to bust this this operation. So. And they they know she exists. They got their briefing about Mama from the the guy who works there. But it's inter- if if I would imagine, I would assume, if they had a hundred percent evidence that this guy um, uh, Wood Harris, Avon Avon Barksdale, if they if they had a hundred percent evidence that he committed those murders, that they would have executed on the spot, on the spot. Judgment is death. You know, the the, the punishment's death, and they would have never. Even gone after Mama. They Found out like, about oh, we, the Barksdale organization. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, it's it's this time he's one level down. <laughs> but um, but no, they're there to solve the the, the murders, and they did. If the, if they had if they were a hundred percent, then they would. Right. Well, we we did what we came to do, and let's just leave. I would imagine is what would happen. I yeah, I I think you're right. But you also then wouldn't have the rest of the movie, so they they had to have that as kind of like the the hinge. But I guess my question is right <clears throat> at the end of the day. It's it's kind of presented as a little bit of Mama being uh, um, See, but, a little uh, paranoid, I guess. But I guess my, I guess my question would be if they if they actually had been successful in bringing uh, that guy back to the station and questioned him and learned, oh, Mama's trying to take over whatever area. Do you think they would have cared? Yeah, it's like well, as long as he admitted to the murders, they would be like, well, we solved that, and now the rest of it. Like I guess, yeah, I don't. It's not clear to me how this. How the the halls of justice are even structured? Whether or not they would have built a case to go right. back after Mama. So yeah. here here's the takeaway for for me that actually that's in my notes that I wanted to cover. I what I enjoyed or or I I appreciated in in this version and just this script is that Mama isn't some like overarching arch criminal that the halls of justice know about. Right. She, I mean, she's clearly rising to power and maybe at some point, right. If things had gone well, she's moving into other districts, maybe, but on the flip side, what I also liked, and I want to note it is that the other judges knew dread, but it wasn't like judge dread where, Oh, like every criminal in the street knows judge dread, right? This huge 800 million people. Right. And in my view, the Judge Dread movie world, everybody knows his name. I I appreciate in this is they, they they didn't really really know the other judges absolutely knew who Dread was, which makes sense. But I liked in both instances. I felt that again that, that was way more grounded in reality. Is that she wasn't some arch criminal that was behind everything, right? right. She she might have been a riser, but they didn't even know who she was. And then on the flip side, she didn't know who the hell Dread was. Yeah, and it really makes this. I mean, it is Mega City, and it makes Mega City feel huge. Of just like in this little pocket of the city, she runs everything. Yeah. But the city is enormous. It's literally the entire East Coast. Whereas the yeah, end, Judge Dread, it's like Rico. Comes out of prison, <laughs> immediately throws the entirety of Mega City One into total havoc and disarray. With just himself and a giant robot. And a robot, yeah. Him and a robot are able to throw a city of 800 million people into disarray. Yeah, it makes everything feel so small. This movie does, it's, it successfully makes Mega City One feel like a mega city, like gigantic. Yeah, and, and the thing is, too, is that I, I think it goes back, and I had it in my notes. I'm glad you highlighted it, but the 6% thing, I actually think matters. Because that makes that more plausible, too, is that they wouldn't know who she was. Even right. though it's the hot new drug, if you're only able to get to 6% of the places 
and it's just an up and she's an a, a rising you know rising criminal and this is a rising drug it makes sense Nobody would know who she was. Well, I think that probably happens in real police departments. Yeah. Spe- speaking of Avon Barksdale, it's been a while since I watched The Wire, but w- w- who was it? Because McNulty discovers, he learns about Avon Barksdale. Doesn't he talk to someone in Vice? And like, ooh, we never heard of him. And the guy was in, 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 this, in the show yeah. was running all of the drugs in these particular projects, like Three Towers. and like, He was like a big deal already, and no one in the police knew who he was. was. Yeah. So I, I, it's... I mean, it's that, plausible. I think that yeah. happens in the real world. I mean, yeah. that's not the real world either. It's a show. But I mean, I think that's... that. The wire is very much based oh, on grounded in reality. Real yes, things that absolutely, happen. absolutely. So, I, sorry for the diversion a little bit, but I, 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 I really did like that. This, this made you're right. It makes the mega city feel more realistic, but it also just makes it feel more realistic in terms of like actual criminals and police. Yeah. Not everybody's going to know who you are, and you and one robot cannot throw an entire eight hundred <laughs> yes. million population into disarray. It, that, that this is all a double edged sword because. Thing is, I kind of love the fact that Rico and a robot can throw all of Mega City One into this array. Like, I—that's the kind of movie that I—I I wanted it to be more like. I, I like the absurdity of that, and this movie is so the opposite of that. That I mean, there's good and bad because yes, I like the—I like that it feels more more true to the way you would imagine this world would a world like this would be. But I, I, do, I do miss the absurdity of. You know, there is Can no I just robot. tell you how funny a title Rico and a robot is to me? It sounds like a 70s show. It sounds like a... It does. It sounds like a sci-fi... It's like Falcon and the Snowman. I, I was going to say it's a sci-fi adaptation of BJ and the Bear. <laughs> Rico and the Robot. They're, they're space truckers. Instead of, a, instead of a monkey, the robot is just a robot, and he's his co-pilot in his space trucking adventures. They just took 200 space books for lunch, gas, and tolls. <laughs> I don't know who the other, Sheriff Lobo. <laughs> Sheriff Robo. <laughs> now I want this I want this new sci-fi BJ and the Bear. Oh, I mean, I mean way too much. Bring punk. back Sheriff Lobo in robot form. <laughs> Lobo, Lobo. Sheriff Lobo. Bring back Sheriff Lobo. Oh, all right, sorry. So we are we're just after the bust and <laughs> So Mama locks down the, the tower. Yeah, because so Mama has I somehow she's she has control of the video system in some way, shape, or form because she certainly sees all of what's going on because she gets word from her you know, tech guy basically that yes. uh, Avon. I shouldn't call him Avon, but I'm going to because I actually don't know the I didn't write down the character's name. I don't know if we learned it. It never. No one really says it. But I think I think the subtitles. Oh, no, she must have at some point or maybe. Not. But, but anyway, it's, it's Avon Barksdale. Yeah. Come on. Well, he's also a little Duke. We'll see him again in Creed soon, but um, mostly I, I, I know him as Avon Barksdale. He's been in a lot of things. He was in Blade Runner 2049. Yeah, he was. You're he's, right. He's, he's, he's been in a lot of things, but in this context, you've got to say Avon Barksdale. Yeah, it's a pretty similar character. He's basically doing the character. It's, it's, it's the same performance, basically. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the, her tech guy, I, th- I get the sense. I mean, first of all, that's Donald Gleason, General Hux. That's all I'll think of him as, is General Hux um, with his robot eyes. Uh, I, I get the sense, well, because then in the movie, uh, uh, Anderson reads his mind, like, oh, he's actually innocent, because, like, Mama's been threatening this guy. Well, and she... I think he, he has, he's, he's one of the, because they say, like, the, the tower has, like, 96% unemployment or whatever, so he's one it of the It wasn't four, that high, but... I thought it was 90-something percent unemployment rate. 
but whatever. He's one of the few people who has a job, and his job is to run the the security, and he checks, he watches all the, the well, cameras, and he yeah. Can, but his job is working for Mama, so I I think he's probably, no. I think officially he works for the government or whoever runs this oh, tower. I don't think so. No, because they go downstairs and assassinate all the guys that are are running. That's true. Running the communications. No, so I that, think those guys control the. The, I think they the, were the actual official employees that controlled the the HVAC and all that stuff. Right. The monitors. Yes. He had just patched into it. Now, no, but I think he has some kind of... Because he calls in and says, oh, we're running tests, and they seem to know who he was. He's faking it. No, he's totally fake. My supervisor, he's faking it. Maybe. 100%. He, he is he not official. The, no, I thought he worked for the tower. You're right. They do go and shoot all those guys who control yeah. the, the, the Those doors. guys didn't have a chance. Either one's sleeping, the other three are just sitting yeah, at the table. She, Mama holds a knife to, to General Hux's throat. Why couldn't he? Did she, she couldn't do the same to those four guys who run the, the doors? They just go in and kill them. All. I was yeah. going to say, because I don't think they were armed either. I don't remember. Remember, but I don't think they're armed. No, I, I think, think they're so. just like, you know, they're, they're like, they're not even security job. guards. They're just, you know, maintenance and like tech people that I think had walkie talkies and you know, she just has them mowed down. Yeah. Yeah. I guess um, it's, it's too much trouble to to threaten four people. Uh, one guy can hold a knife to his throat. Four people just shoot him. Apparently. So they, yeah, they wind up taking it over and then complete and total lockdown, which, you know, for. It's a plot device, but it is a, a a plausible and realistic way to get the communications cut out that Dread can't that nobody else can come in and he can't communicate what's going on. It it's you know, it it's a pretty good explanation to set up the rest of the plot. Oh, it's a great setup. I think it's a really compelling setup. It's like you're trapped in here and literally everyone in this building will either Want you dead or will be out of the way. Help. Yeah, exactly. right. at, the, at best, they won't help. Right. Even the guy who was helpful when they first arrived, the guy who runs the medical center or yeah. whatever, because their first strategy is to go there. It's like, we can defend this space. And he's like, you're not getting in here. Very realistic, too, because if I was that guy, nope. Yeah, he lives there. He's not going to take it. Because I mean, <laughs> Dredd says, you are taking, he's like, I'm not taking sides. So you are taking sides by not helping us. It's like, no, there's no sides. You're already dead. Right. Like, there are no sides. <laughs> as soon as they lock this place down, you're right. You're toast. You're, yeah. Which he turns out to be wrong. He was the one. Cause, um, yeah, because the crooked cops get him, yeah, poor guy. He's too helpful for... He should, he, should have, he should have stuck to that policy no matter what. It's, I'm not helping anybody. It's true. He comes out of his hiding when the other judges show up. Very, very... That's, you know what's interesting, too? So why... I, I guess he did come out and gave Dredd the information. So he... he it only was when it was clear... Right. He tells he was them in about jeopardy, But I'm not sure why... The logic doesn't hold that just because there's four more, why he thinks he's really any safer if she's locked the place down. Now there's six judges. You know, he doesn't know they're crooked, four of them. Well, yeah, but he thinks the cavalry has arrived. The, the weird thing is, because, yeah, they're, they're crooked judges. They show up. Because first two other judges show up. They were just like every, everyday schmoes, and it's like, oh, we can't get in. They, well, they try to, like, throw their weight around a little <laughs> bit, but they, they take the, no, 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 we're, we're, we're shut down for maintenance, and... Uh, we got a fire up on 73. You better put that out or I'm going to cite you. What? That's what? <laughs> Those cops are not trying very hard. All I can think of. <laughs> you say we're not working. <laughs> I, don't, I wonder how strong the police union is in this future because yeah, I, I don't know. They don't seem like they're really motivated to get in there. And, 
help their fellow officers. That's a good quote. I was also thinking uh, Carl in Die Hard. Why don't you wake up and smell what you show? You think he's going to give a damn what you do to him if he gets out of there alive? They're talking, you know, you better put that fire on. I'm going to cite you and get you five years in the eyes. Do you think that this guy up there really cares what you're going to do to him? Right. If he gets the blast shield like, open? Oh, yeah. What's my name? <laughs> you don't know who I am. <laughs> and the, but the thing is, it feels like hours have gone by before those crooked judges show up. They're just still standing there, like we can't get in. And oh, I, like, I do you're, think you're, it you're has been lead. hours. Yeah, and then like they call up, like let us in, and of course because it's they they know that they're the crooked judges. Yeah, they let them an in. Inside job, and they say you're relieved. So which presumably the, those other judges are like okay, I guess we'll just go. What's but then the- they close the doors again. You'd think some they'd be like, well, that's suspicious. Like. Why did they close up again? Oh, you th- let me radio in and say something's going on here. But yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely had that as a question for you, which I'm not sure you can answer because you had the same no, question. Yeah, I don't know. But here was my other question with for those two. So the the two that were relieved, I I had the same impression that they were there for hours. The judges, the Hall of Justice, can only respond to six percent of the crimes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> how much? Yeah, well, how a couple a couple of loafers. How many crimes of the six percent, which is not a great response rate, right? We're just—I comp- mean, the number's only going down because they're literally just standing there doing nothing. I mean, they are responding to officers under fire, so it's like this would probably True. be a pretty high priority. But, but only not doing it. There's only two of them, yeah, and they're just standing around for seemingly hours. You know, it, it, well, also. This, they've got flying vehicles, right? Don't they have helicopters or something? I mean, uh, it's the future. They probably have hover stuff, but you never see any, right? I, all I saw were basically like drones. You know, the all you really see were drones that were flying over to do reconnaissance. I don't remember right. seeing any any manned aerial crafts, if you will. I was so, going to say, because you would think, I guess... They'd buzz up and try and get a, a better view. Well, because Dredd and Anderson blew the hole in the right. side because there's that skate park on the side of the building. <laughs> it seems like a really dangerous place <laughs> sure for a skate park. I don't park. think safety is the first priority. I got the sense that that was like, that probably was like a landing pad and then it was just in disuse. And so they're like, well, it's just, you know, the local kids are just like, we're going to build a skate park here. And, I could see that. You know, safety be damned. We're teenagers. We don't care. Yeah. What if <laughs> what teenagers are, think they're invincible? So yes. Of course they're going to be having a skate park on the edge of a building. Um, but yeah, I, I guess Dredd never told them we blew a hole in the building. He didn't tell them that. You're right, but they because they, they ask when he does get out because that is also a clever way when he finally does get out. We kind of skipped over Mama taking out an entire floor that ultimately you know yeah opens up a tiny hole which he uses a high X high explosive to open and punch a bigger hole to get out there. But he gets com access back so he can radio in, and they ask, can you can you maintain your position? And he said no, because basically if they push out, he has nowhere to go. He can't fall back. Right. But I don't think he tells them, yeah, that he, that no, he just says we can't defend our position. We have right. nowhere to fall back, so we have to push back through. So, yeah, the headquarters doesn't necessarily know there's a hole in the building they could enter. <laughs> yes. Tell those two guys, hey, come back here get and get, your a, get a vehicle. Yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. Get your... <laughs> Get your Judge Dread from the from the movie Judge Dread, <laughs> but they never work in that movie. Well, they work enough. Uh, see, all I have to do is start climbing hell. You know, get out some Batman repelling gear and get up there. Well, I stand at the door, being like, we can't do anything. I'm glad we covered those two guys. I had a lot of questions about those guys. I can't even imagine how many crimes were not responded to that they could have. That's a great. They could have got doing those. It probably was they were out there for like three hours doing nothing. Oh, at least, at least. Well, because like, 
are they trying other are they are they just standing the whole time being like come on i'll be your friend you know i think they're just standing out come there. on let us in i, yeah, I think I they're know. looking all right when is my shift end sure well yeah it's probably that's probably what it is it's just like well te- we're, we're responding to a call we responded <laughs> we're in the process of responding to a call we're, we're sitting here we're waiting for access we're standing next to the crushed corpse of a vagrant that was killed by a door and there's a fire 70 floors up yeah um that that i guess is maybe i don't know if that's necessarily satirical but that's pretty cynical i'm just like this they're on their way out hey we told you to move you didn't move and then he's crushed by a door and nobody <laughs> expresses any kind of sympathy or horror just like well just another day in mega city one a vagrant was crushed by a door oh yeah no no nobody cares in the least not even like not even someone be like, oh wow, like, oh Jesus! And just, <laughs> it's like it never happened. And, uh, you know, another movie that might feel like commentary, but not in this movie. It's just like we have more important things to worry about. They they were so close to getting out that door too. They literally stopped. If they had, oh, uh, uh, that's another thing the movie could have commented. On. If Judge Dredd hadn't stopped to hassle this vagrant, they would have walked through and they would have been on the other side of the door before they closed it. Yeah, they were like two feet away from. He it. stopped to hassle, but he also was listening to the, the like announcement. If he hadn't stopped to listen to the announcement, yeah. that we're about to close the door. They probably could have made their way. Out. I guess it's just it never occurred to him that maybe they would get trapped in there, so he wasn't in any hurry. Hubris. He's like, I'm, I'm a judge. Things don't things you know. I'm in charge. No one's gonna shut me in. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So we covered kind of the, the section where they get hemmed in and they they mow down an entire floor of people uh, with mini guns. And then what happens? Is, I'm not clear how they get out of that because they're still trapped in that little area, right, on that floor. Uh, Somehow they get out. I'm not entirely clear how. Well, the way that they ultimately get out, so they do an incredible amount of collateral damage yes that's for sure as both physical as well as human toll but what you get is that they go to, you know they go to search because they think that oh it's you know one of the goons says there's no way that there's no way that they survive that and and her number two says well you know until we find the body then right i remember this part and he like sneaks up on him and kills him and throws one off the balcony he throws her number two off the balcony so the way that they ultimately got out of it is they opened up where they were trapped in to go search Dread kills all of them. Oh, okay. And then, you know, they're not trapped anymore because they open the doors and then he can start, you know, making his way up, you know, through different floors. Because Mama sees, because he literally has his her number two and chucks him right off there. <laughs> this movie makes a lot of uh, hay out of throwing people off of balconies. This movie loves it. They definitely use the fact that it's 200 stories yeah, up. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so then he basically starts making, making his way... Um, well, this is where they interrogate uh, Avon Barksdale because it's like, yes. why they would have let us go? If, you know, they, you must why be really would, important. He, and, he says something like, D- "Doesn't this seem like overkill? Like literally, right. she will take out an entire floor yeah. to try and kill two judges. Right? Seems like a bit of overkill." So she reads his mind and finds out that Mama's. He, that, he that, knows that Mama's going to take over or something. Well, that, that the basement is where slow mo is being manufactured for like the entire city. Okay, that's that's what she learns from that. Is that that explosive of information? I'm seemed, not sure it actually is. Yeah, it seemed like it should be more. It should have been more than just that, because it's like, well, at the very least, okay, let's say that. <laughs> yeah, yes, if they had busted her her uh, you know equivalent of a meth lab, it would have it would have been a big problem for her, but. If she's the only one who knows how to make it, doesn't that still mean that she has... That's a good point. You know, cornered the market no matter what? Like, it doesn't seem... 
yeah, it seems like it, it does seem like overkill based on that information. I, I, I couldn't remember what he knew. You know, I'd, again, we I'd seen this eight years ago, and it was just like I, I don't remember what it is that's so important that he knows. And then when it was that I was just like, really, that's it. So that is it. And you make a good point. So yeah, let's say you bust up this lab. If if it's somehow proprietary or she's the only one that knows how to make it, can't you just start a lab somewhere else? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. And it also doesn't make sense now that I'm thinking about this out loud. I, you know, I, I realize it's her home turf, but it does seem like you should probably diversify your manufacturing <laughs> facilities a little bit. Well, I, yeah, I imagine it was so that the secret wouldn't get out or something. Like she, I guess she maybe control. she's trying to get, yeah, maybe she's trying to get distribution, get some control of some other areas. Then maybe she diversifies. You may be right about that, but it is. You don't want to expand too fast. You don't want to be Quiznos. <laughs> it is very high risk, though, that literally... She is shitting where she eats because she—it's yeah. all of her manufacturing is also her base of operation. Well, the basement is pretty far from the 200th floor, but yes, I, you're, just, you're correct. I mean, this is this is the territory she controls. It's she controls this building, and that's it. I think. Yeah, yeah, and that that is probably why. Yeah, it is a big city. You'd think she could, you know, lease some warehouse space somewhere. <laughs> right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it is all—it was very much an all eggs in one basket kind of a situation. It was uh, mostly for the script because. It was going to be cheaper, too, probably to just shoot the whole movie basically in one building or, you know, one set for one building. I just right? wish it was more something more than that. Like, I it do, should have been some kind of like, oh, she's she's she knows that the chief justice has a plan to <laughs> fall out. Not Rico. necessarily that. But like, you know, she's she's got some politicians in her pocket or something. Something, I I, something but that reaches farther than just like. Oh, she she's her lab is downstairs. I mean, it basically. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the, you're right. Yeah, when you boil it down, that's the secret. It really is. You're right. <laughs> I mean, to do the amount of damage that she does, because another thing that was in my notes is that, um, even let's say even if Mama wins, she has done an irreparable amount of damage in terms of her control of this building. It goes back to, you know, like I, I had this criticism in, in Game of Thrones. You know, I, I didn't like where things, you know, wound up going in the later seasons. Nobody did. Nobody. But, but the, the uh, Ramsey Bolton was so terrible in so many ways. But it's been done in other things, not just that, but it's a good example. You don't fire arrows just because you have greater numbers. Don't do damage to your own troops to try and take out, you know, to finish the other side because the damage you do to people believing and like willing to either fight for you or in that case like cowering from you if you've proven yeah i can be afraid of you but you might just eradicate me anyway yeah i, th- I think i think the analogy is more the the final episode of game of thrones where of uh, um of khaleesi burning the, the oh the second city. the second to last, second but to yeah last, you're right but literally yeah, the, the nuclear bomb yeah because i mean that that's more innocent people which is what's happening here she's not she's not killing her own men she's killing people who just happen to live fair, in, that, fair in that tenement block. That, that, like, the... Aren't you doing more damage to your organization than letting the lab fail, where I think you could just set up a new lab somewhere else? The damage you've done by proving, I'm willing to wipe out an entire floor of you people. It seems like there's a lot more of them than there are her. Oh, sure, the, but I mean, she's ruling by fear, I think is what it is. It's, I, I, but isn't, but don't, don't you see my point that the fear all of a sudden it becomes, despair sets in, it's like, what do I have to lose? Right. 
if if you're going to wipe out an entire floor, at what point do people say, well, I'm going to come after El Presidente because there's not that many of you compared to us. And if you're going to do this to me any, you know, potentially anyway, what am I really in fear of? Yeah, you're you're right. But also, you know, this happens in the real world where gangs control, it, you know, a, a neighborhood of, you know, 3,000 people. And there could be, you know, th- you know, it's a very low income place and you know, a couple hundred gang members run all the streets and you know it's it's a big risk even even if you know I it mean is, I grant, it? granted in the real world it's I don't think it's there's ever been this much of a massacre of innocent people or literally like 100 people oh, are being killed by yeah. a local gang I don't think it's, there's ever been a tragedy to that degree but you know I mean it's it's a matter of scale right it's like this whole block it's like a couple hundred people are killed but it's there's 70,000 people who live here it's Statistically, not to compare it to real tragedies, but you know, people, then people die in drive-by shootings, you're, and it's like you're right. But I, I guess one, one innocent person dying isn't unfortunately going to cause people to kick out the gangs. It's just it's too much of a risk for people. I think you're right. I guess what I'm saying is that for the decision that the the secret, her trying to protect the secret that my lab is in the basement, it just doesn't make sense to me that the scale of what she's willing to go to sure, to yeah. protect that secret. You're right. Well, it it, also it just, should be more that she's trying to protect. It also just seems unnecessary. It's like just send in your your guys that you've got them you've got them trapped like rats, or just throw in a bunch of grenades just in the hallways. You don't have to shoot you know these chain guns that are cutting through people's apartments and. Yeah, it's definitely overkill. It, it would make more sense if the information he had was somehow it undermined the drug itself. No, honestly, right. if, yeah. it, if it was like, I'm not, the secret recipe, I don't know, something along those lines where it literally like the entire business is done. Right. It's not just you. my lab is in the basement. It's that I'm out of business if that information gets out. And I think the movie, it to a degree, it hangs a lantern on the problem where Dread is the one he's saying like that was crazy what just happened this doesn't make any sense she killed all the people just to get to us something is up I mean again I think you know the fact that the thing that's up is stupid doesn't help <laughs> but at least the movie's acknowledging like that didn't make sense what just happened there like why would she do that so fair enough um, but I agree it doesn't it, it it's I think it would have it would have been fine if the secret was more explosive that's all um, but anyway, yeah. So then, this is where Anderson gets captured, right? Oh no! The, the first they call the crooked judges. Um, it kind of happens simultaneously they around them. the same time because there, there's another kind of wave. Um, and actually, the one that ultimately where she gets captured is this is again this is a softening. This actually kind of felt like your criticism of Stallone not wanting to be a bad guy because somewhere in their continuing to be on the move. And they make the assessment that we're basically we're running low on ammo, and so you know our our best bet is to be as stealth as we can be and be as vi- as visible as we can be until backup you know arrives. Yeah. They don't know that downstairs backup is just sitting for their ship to be over. Yeah. Um. But it's like two two kids basically, and dread. Dread doesn't kill them. He uses stun with them, and that's where she loses her weapon. And Avon, you know, somehow the elevator is right there and works perfectly for him because he's able to go right to the top. Sure, with yeah. her captured. Well, they were going to use the elevator at some point, right? But they just got distracted because these kids jumped them or whatever. No, because I, I, I think that the elevators they got at one point they were able to access a certain elevator that only went to certain floors and above. And that was information given by somebody in you know one of the apartments that just wanted them like off of her floor, right? 
Um, no, but I think the elevator, that when they first arrived, they used the elevator to go up to the bust. Yeah, but the I, I, I took it, I mean, maybe I was wrong, but once once it went on lockdown, oh, uh, well, not Captain... Um, General Hux? Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what his name is in this movie. Donald Gleason. General Hux, I assume, has control, much like... Theo has control of the elevators in Die Hard. I assume General Hawks has okay. control of the elevators. I didn't think of that. I, I thought that everything was just still working internally. I thought it was just everything was locked locked down, but like the exterior was locked off, but I thought the elevators were still working. I, I, mean, I thought that they had control. Either way, yeah, I don't know. Avon makes it immediately all the way to the top, and then it is then just dread by himself, and Anderson is she's captive. Captured, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, uh, you know, this, this, well, I, they make a point of saying, oh, don't hurt her because we need to make it look like these. It's a drug bust. Drugs, that went bad. Yeah. The judges yeah. just got killed in a drug bust, blah, blah, blah. Um, so she, they're just kind of holding her for now until they get dread, I guess. So that they, I, I don't know why they don't just kill her right away. I mean, eventually, uh, um, uh, Avon Barksdale makes the foolish mistake of thinking <laughs> that he can use. Think yeah, I, I, that that was one of my criticism. I I just I can't imagine anybody in this world. Although that, yeah. that said, since not everybody seems to know everything about Judge Dread or the judges in general in this world, maybe they wouldn't know that they're you know. Yeah, everyone know in the movie Judge Dread in the nineties movie. Everyone they knows absolutely. Know. So I don't, but I don't want to assume you can't use information from that movie to judge this movie. I I, I guess they don't all know. And here's a question I have for that. So yes, he makes the mistake, and that's the end of Avon Barksdale. Here's my question: She leaves her lawgiver behind. My question to you is: Does she do that? Since it's it's basically it reads DNA because his DNA is all over the weapon. Is it? Is it basically oh. where it wouldn't function appropriately going? Is that's that the reason question. why she, because she leaves it behind and that it's kind of like, well, that seems like way better than what you're, what she ultimately takes. But what my question was, is does she leave it behind because it is DNA reactive? And since his blood is all over it, would it be where even if she picked it up, would it not work? Uh, that's not what I assumed. I, I mean, I would I would hope that the logger would, if it picks up multiple DNA uh, signatures, the, it's, as long as one of them matched, it would still be okay. I would right. I would hope. Well, she leaves it behind either way. She does not take it with her. I assumed because she just knew it was very low on ammo, and it's like, what's the point? Could be because he. I was, didn't think about that. He was just going to execute her. He only needed one bullet, but I mean. I think I think that I assumed that's why. Well, she has some kind of gun later because then she saves the oh, day. She, she she takes one of you know one of the thugs' guns. That's right. what I'm saying. She just has basically like a right, right. Like just, a machine gun, yeah, but yeah. she does not have her her service weapon, which it seems like. Especially, it would have come in handy since he was able to reload later by taking the ammo from one of the crooked judges. It w- it would have been good for her to have her weapon. Do we see the gun after it? blows off Avon's hand because I wonder if it just explodes. Ooh, I didn't think about that. It's just like it is unusable now. It has exploded. That's probably what it is because it's not like a shock. You're right. It's an explosion that blows. So you're right. That You got me there. That's probably what it is. Yeah. That it, then that, that's, that is, no pun intended, bulletproof. That is a logical conclusion <laughs> well, of that, why she wouldn't have it. That seems like a really wasteful system of just, well, if anyone tries to shoot this, it will explode and the, the gun is just you know, these expensive, I would assume pretty expensive guns and it has to have all this DNA technology. They got hot shots. They have sure. incendiary. That actually was also memorable to me too. The incendiary was a memorable scene for me. 
Uh, the one at the beginning where the guy's skull melts off? No. The, he's shooting across the hall. The one where he's shooting across. Where the, yeah, okay. It was very clear. It's like, oh, you fools. There's no way he's in there. He tricks them. He uses uh, the old uh, like shadow behind a sheet trick. Yes. Or and that's another one. One of those guys who's on fire falls. So you're, you're yeah. right. They really do like having people fall into that corridor. I feel like those bodies aren't accounted for at the end because, uh, I mean, we'll get there. But uh, when, when uh, Mama falls and we see her land. And you, you see the three bodies from the skinned bodies are still there, but I don't know if you see the guy who falls on fire on fire or the guy, the second in command that uh, dread. I mean, I don't know if we see the whole floor, so that's a good, but point. They're, they're literally piling up down there. They're, <laughs> they absolutely are. That lot. little robot that comes to clean the mall would be very, very sure, busy yeah. at peach trees. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But anyway, judge, uh, dread fights the crooked judges. I don't know if there's much to talk about there. He 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 grocks that they're they're crooked because they don't ask about her about uh, Anderson. Yeah, you, so there are I, two of us who called in. You're not asking about that seems that seems like a big leap, but it was a big leap. But it was also really I I, I know that the plan was to flush him out, but they they had what seemed to be the two best teamed up like together, yeah. and they sent the, who seemed to be like the weakest link of the four. Out by himself. Well, is it really surprising that that guy... I don't know. I assumed that the three of them fanned out, and they were all kind of out by themselves. Just like, hey, find Dread. Okay. Because I, I I assume they believed that Dread wouldn't be hostile. They would say, you know, we're your backup. Because that's kind of what the, the female dread judge says later. Cause yeah, she, she, she doesn't know she's dealing with a psychic <laughs> is the problem. Right. She miscalculates. Yeah, she sure does. Um, which, by the way... It's a tiny nitpick. This is not. I don't want to be this guy. I'm just like, you know, the tiniest. I mean, whatever. That's a lot of what we do in this podcast. But she said, uh, Anderson says near the beginning of the movie because Dred's like, I wondered if you would notice you, you forgot your helmet, and she's like, I don't wear a helmet. It interferes with my psychic abilities. But then the other judges, like this female judge, has a helmet on. So, but Anderson can read her mind through that helmet if it interferes. Shouldn't interfere both ways, but I guess... Well, she reads there, she reads... Well, she reads... She's able to sense Dread behind glass and with his helmet on. Sense him when was... Oh. In the very beginning when oh, the right. Chief yeah, Justice... Yeah. I mean, he, he does have his helmet on, yeah. Oh, he, well, he has his helmet on in the entire movie. Right, yeah. Um... No, so but that, I mean, that, I might be a, that might be a fair criticism, that I, it, it shouldn't interfere with... It sh- it sh- the helmet shouldn't interfere with her ability if she's then able to read people's... I guess we just have to assume that that's how it works. If I, I if, if someone else is wearing their mask, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. But yeah, if she's wearing it... If it maybe it's like the reverse Magneto or something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it kind of is a reverse Magneto. That's a exactly reverse right. Magneto um, but yeah, so... so but I, I assumed that those three... The, the three male judges, they just all fanned out. That guy just happened to be the one who found him. And then when... Well, it's bad luck for them because he seems to be the weakest link in the group. And yeah, he doesn't last long. Um, but then once they know, okay, Dread knows that we're, we're crooked. Then the, 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 those two guys team up. It's like we're never separating now. <laughs> no. Let's make sure it's two on one. Because I, I did... That that I do think was smart was that... Because it, 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 he asked for a million. <laughs> a, a million credits and she's for, for one... It, I know who he is. Basically, right. I know who he is. <laughs> it almost kind of seemed like the delivery to me was like a million might not actually be enough. It's I almost like there was a little hint like, yeah, I probably should have set the number higher. And obviously, in retrospect, there was no number that was big enough. Sure. Yeah. 
Well, you know, you don't want to. Uh, he 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 went to the trouble of heading out there. I mean, they already killed one person. They're the medical guy. It's like, well, you don't you don't want to bid so high. Or you're up, you're I guess you're bidding yourself out. But the out thing of is, is was she going to say no? That's one of those things. It's like I think he could have named any number he wanted. What was she going to say? Well, she could have said, okay, then we will kill you right now. I mean, I guess that's what she would have said. Maybe. She was running a little low on manpower. That's true. Because uh, yeah, at point, the end of the day, it's mood, like you said, because none of them are alive to spend it. No. Or 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 pay it. <laughs> She's not allowed to pay it. They're not allowed to spend it. It doesn't really matter. But at some point before this, though, um, I, I think it's when they just, when she says, call 911. Right. Uh, he starts pointing out, yeah, there's, there's, I, it looks like about 10 here. There's three in this hallway. <laughs> he starts oh, doing yeah, the counts like, Dread. they have any, they don't even have a scratch on them yet. Yeah. I was kind of annoyed by that, but it's like, well, this is, this is an episode where you don't want to do a body count and here he is hand delivering a body count. It's like, oh, why can't this happen in a movie where I actually have to count? But it is true. Dread was doing some significant damage oh. to her empire. I, I, I I don't remember what uh, Stallone's body count was in Judge Dredd, but uh, Carl Urban is outstripping Stallone probably by you know, <laughs> 10, 10 to 1. Uh, anyway, yeah, so there's a big showdown in the drug lab, and uh, Dredd kills one of them by, on his own, but then he gets shot and has to be uh, saved Rescued. by Anderson. Yes. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about that one moment where he's like, he's like, wait, it's like, wait, the great Judge Dredd, it's about the, you know, in your last moments, all you can say is wait, it's like, I don't know if that really. It kind of gets. It's, it's a little too. I, I feel like the movie thinks this is a greater moment than it actually is because it really draws it out. It's like it does, and it do, it feels like it's from a different movie too. It, right. It doesn't. It for what the rest of or most of the rest of the tone of this movie is, that moment doesn't feel like it fits up. Although I did appreciate and like the. I, I actually liked the approach of yeah. Dread got him the wrong wrong end. Is it? He's out of ammo. He used everything up, and he actually got shot. He's not. Yeah, he's not superhuman. Right, he's not superhuman. I I think that's important. And in the featurette about the comic, they try to point that out. He he's just he's not. He doesn't have any superpowers. He's a guy that is just out doing this job. Right. I like that this grounds that in that no he he actually can die doing this. Sure. He got into a situation that even he couldn't uh, overcome, right. and yeah, he got shot. Although getting shot didn't really slow him down much. Not much. Because then they just go up to the, up there and kill Mama. They just march through her guards. and They march through but there's not many guards left. No, but you would think there would be some strategy. I mean, it's just a hallway where they just jump out one by one. It's like, okay, don't you guys know by now? Like, hey, let's just fortress up, like, you know, barricade the door, and everyone, everyone, uh, you know, See, come up with some kind of strategy. They're just, they don't seem to be, realize that this is their last stand. I, I agree with you, but I actually think, I'm going to criticize it and say it should have went the other way. I I actually think the way it should have played out, they shouldn't end up fight their way up. I think that the few remaining last ones left should have looked around, saw the massive collateral damage, and now we sent four judges after that's this true. guy. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. none of them are left. Yeah. That would have been sort of like the, I'm out of here. You know, like some of Scarface's goons were, that's yeah. it, I'm just going to try and get out of here. At the end of the running, man. <laughs> I have to go score some steroids and just walk away. Exactly. I think some of those should have just said, nope, I'm just going to go ahead and exit stage left. No, Mama, good luck. No, you're, you're totally right. <laughs> I mean, because that was what I would have done. Maybe, maybe, just, you know, these are junkies and this is their only source of slow mo. It's like, you know, <laughs> they, they can't bear to lose it. Either way, but yeah, I mean, they just, they make short work of them and then it's, you know, it's kind of the last moment. It's, it's somewhat interesting because what, what I, I do. 
it's better than having James Conn fight Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, sure. I, I think it's a better solution for that final showdown between Mama and Dread to have it where, yeah, the whole you know the, the top fifty floors are going to explode if if you execute me. I mean, this movie, you know, it's not John Wick. It's not there are there are gunfights in the movie, plenty of gunfights, but it's not like you don't. I, I it didn't surprise me that it did not end with a big showdown gunfight or fist fight or something like it didn't it didn't seem inappropriate i don't think it seemed inappropriate what i'm saying is i think it was the right way to handle it because that's that's not what you were it it wouldn't have made sense anyway and that wasn't the the way to end it no i agree i i I guess i didn't have that expectation so it didn't even really jump out to me as like oh this is an interesting way to end it. it's like yeah you know mama's power was that she had all these goons and once she, <laughs> she took that, yeah, I didn't anymore. really expect her to put up. I mean, she has she had the explosive tied to her heart. Yeah, that's and it's like, um, yeah, it, it can't reach through two hundred layers of concrete or whatever it, it was. Which luckily he was correct. <laughs> I was going to say, pretty big what? risk. It is. I don't. I don't take. You know, I don't know what training you get, but I don't think that he has a strong background in you know in engineering, physics, and science. As a no. judge, so it seems like it's a pretty big leap. He's really just crossing his fingers. You know, you it, it, just to be safe, maybe arrest her and take her to the station. And you know, just because the sentence is that de- yes, she it's, uh, clearly in this world, the, the, her her sentence of death is justified given all the chaos she created. She, she mo- mowed down a whole floor of people, but couldn't you just drive her out to the cursed earth? Right, yeah. just execute her there. Yeah, play it a little safer than like ah, two hundred stories down. It's pretty far. We should be okay. Yeah, send her to to, to Mega City Two and have her. I mean, I guess. Th- see, the thing is, she never leaves this tower. Presumably, right? She just runs her whole business yeah, out of this I don't tower. Think so. so she's clear. That- she's clearly not scouting other locations for her labs because she's. <laughs> Absolute lamb in sure, her face, yeah, right? yeah. She is she is committed to having her whole place, her whole operation in this tower. Um, but wouldn't you assume? Isn't it reasonable to assume that if she left the range of that transmitter, it would also explode? Because she has no reason to leave anyway. So, like, simply throwing her off the thing—it's possible. It's she very plausible. Yes, it, it could very easily be set up that way. She doesn't make it clear either way. She, oh, if my heart stops, this will explode. What if she also? What what if? Her leaving what the range it, of this transmitter would also. Make what it, if it seems like her heart stopped? Exactly, she has left the she has left the range and it can't detect her heart anymore. It's very plausible. I think it was a huge risk. Huge the only, risk. The only thing I will say is that at least he is not a person who is only willing to risk when the stakes don't impact him because he is clearly in the bl- oh, sure. within the blast zone. Yes, but also seventy thousand people. You know, it's presented as this tragedy that a couple hundred people on this floor were killed, and it is, but <laughs> Judge Dredd is being way more reckless. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> whatever. He must have, maybe he was trained on this particular device, and he knows what he can do. Whatever. So uh, in so then, yeah, by the end, of course, I, it seems like there's just a mountain of judges and meat wagons. Yeah. There's so much activity outside yeah, after. What's changed? <laughs> Why all of a sudden is this the, the the place where everyone had to respond to? Maybe it's because there's also now dead judges there, and I Maybe. I don't know. But but the chief justice does show up and you know asks about the the pass fail. What's uh, so one? I, again, I I to reiterate, I think that the the concept of him more so judging criminals, but 
trying to actually judge whether or not somebody is right for the job right. is more interesting. And that she failed in terms of within the law. She failed. And she, she acknowledged. She says, yeah, I'm going to be a fail anyway, because as soon as I lost my service weapon, I'm not going to be a judge. Sure. but So I appreciate that, but I want to... You know, <laughs> there are bodies everywhere, and the Chief Justice is not concerned about... Oh, no. she was, <laughs> Look, she's psychic. You don't understand how important she could be to the future. Clearly it must be <laughs> that this is like Weapon X. or It's like the Wolverine. Honestly, it must be because she's only concerned about that. There's four dead judges. Yeah, but I think the judges are from another precinct, right? Isn't that? Because when, when, when Dredd encounters yeah, that guy, he's yeah, like... He, they, they, at least that guy definitely is from a different one. So I think you're right. They are from a different she sector. doesn't care about them. But I thought the Chief Justice would have oversaw like all of them. Oh, yeah, presumably. I, I don't but know. But whatever. I, she, she is clearly not concerned about body count in any no. way, shape, or form. No, absolutely not. <laughs> this is just another day in Mega City 1. You know, this happens every... Well, because she says what happens is like drug busts. Like, that's all he says. <laughs> and it's just, this, is, this is not like... the. This isn't even the most interesting case Dredd had that week. Right? He does say drug bust. <laughs> and he, now I'm thinking, what are you expecting? Them throwing packages of cocaine at each other? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, but that's kind of how it's. Pre- I mean, that's that's maybe the most satirical. It's kind of like, yep, this is this is not this is just a drug bust. Yeah, to to us, the audience, this is a remarkable thing. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but no, she's definitely more. Well, it's not clear to me if Anderson has quit because she hands in her her badge, but I'm not sure if it's because she presumes that she failed or if it's because she's she doesn't want to be a cop anymore. So she presumes that she failed. I don't think she does quit because the last scene that you get is actually a voiceover from Dread, and it's her basically. It, it's a different scene because she's going out to like the the paramedics in uh, when she turns in the badge, right? And the the cut to the final scene is actually her walking out to like a you know basically like a squad car making it. You, I think you should assume that she passed and is a judge. Oh. Because his voiceover is her, like, walking out from a different scene, which I'm assuming is the Hall of Justice to, you know, go get, you know, basically her, she's got her gear on and is going to get in a, in a squad car or, you know, whatever. Okay. Maybe I didn't catch that that was, like, a separate, this is, like, you day, days have, later yeah, or something. It, I, I 100% think it is. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think she did pass and, and ultimately, you know, decided that uh, she was going to do the job. And at least in, in, in a very roundabout or not roundabout but in a very kind of understated way this movie shows some character development from dread even though he's this cypher which is all i wanted from the first movie is for judge dread to be like to make some kind of revelation about like oh maybe the things i was doing uh i should be i think about them more because like you know the beginning of this movie he's very by the book oh she failed her test she shouldn't why is she out there right he it's it's the letter of the law and now she she should fail because she lost her service weapon and that's like an automatic fail, and even he he's ignoring that he's 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 because uh, he's doing the judgment and the assessment. Can she do the job? And right. in his view, she can do the job. He's ignoring the letter of the rules of she she should fail just based on the fact that she lost her service weapon, like she says. So I mean that's a certain amount of like. I don't know if it's character growth, but it's different. It's a different perspective. Right? Yeah. The beginning of the, of the movie, he's saying if she failed her exam, she should. That that is that is a hard line that you yeah, can't they, fudge, and now he now he's the one doing the fudge. Right, there's yeah. more humanity, you know, and for yeah. better or worse, because the problem is a certain levels of discretion with especially judges in this world, 
you know, could it's problematic anywhere of disparate justice. In this world, it's even more so. Yeah. But in this particular instance, I don't think you necessarily want something that is completely rigid. Oh, because yeah, this is a job assessment. Can you actually do the job? And the answer, you know, whether or not he's right or wrong, I guess we don't know. But in his judgment, and I think probably that, yes, yeah, she can do the job. Right. Yeah, and it kind of goes to what you were saying earlier of just this version of Judge Dredd, there is a certain amount of, like, humanity and, like, underneath all the cold exterior that, like, he's not this automaton, kind of like how maybe I would imagine he was written in the comic or maybe the way he's presented in Judge Dredd of, you know, he should have jumped out the window, it would have been legal, you know, that stuff. Uh, (laughs) I forgot about that one. (laughs) Um... But yeah, it's a good movie. I, I just um, I think there are just a few things that I think, you know, like I said, I, I just don't know. I think, even in a month, I don't know if I'll be able to tell you oh, some and I, memorable things about it. I think your your opening of that. It's not that it's it's bad. It's a fine movie. It's just not that that memorable. And and you know that's fine too. I mean, it was an hour and a half, and it's a yeah. it it it's entertainment at a minimum for an hour and a half. So I, yeah, not, not every movie has to be a classic that will stand the no, test of time. Sometimes no. you just want to enjoy an hour and a half of... No, and I, I did. I enjoy, I'm i glad we went back. I'll, I'll tell you this. I actually enjoyed doing this episode way more than I thought. I think I had way more fun on this episode than I thought it was going to be. Sure. Um, and I'm glad we went back, and this was a, a fun bonus episode to do. So I'm, I'm glad we did it. So yeah, now, uh, now it's time to get back to work. Yep. So it is my pick. So I believe the plan is we'll do another block of four. Yes. And then um, and the end of this block will be Creed. Because now I think that's kind of how it's going to play out. So, right. yeah, it's your pick. Um, it'll be you and then me and then you and then Creed. Yeah, so I thought long and hard on this. And um, it's with a little bit of reluctance I'm making this pick. And it's uh, mostly I really, really wanted to have us have something to really look forward to. But I just feel like that that block of four, it just didn't feel, it, it felt like we were spinning our wheels, wasn't much action, so I well, decided... There was, there was Judge Dredd, that was the action yeah, movie. Yeah, that wasn't got. much of an action movie, so I, no. I, I feel like we were in a rut, I felt like we needed to bust out, so I hate to do it, but I decided we are going to get to it, Cliffhanger is, is our next movie, I, I'm... It's with reluctance because I wanted to have that carried out there, but it's uh, it's my pick, and that's what I'm going with. Is, it, it's is cliffhanger. That's well, I, I have no problem with doing cliffhanger next. Why is there reluctance? Because you wanted to save it? Yeah, because I'm afraid we're not going to have anything to look forward to in those last blocks. I am for for very different reasons. I'm looking forward to to see getting your reaction to the last Rambo movie. So, okay. um, um, cause I'm just very curious. So there's, there's something, there's, there's things I'm looking forward to. I, I'm, there are movies that we haven't seen yet that I'm curious about, like escape plan three, like uh, Samaritan that, that new movie he's doing. Escape plan three was soon. actually my, was, was the other one I was seriously considering, but I wanted something with, it felt like an action movie. And I just, I'm too, I, the, I liked the first escape plan, but that's not really an action movie. Well, uh, we don't know about Escape Plan 3, but who knows. Escape Plan 2 was an action movie. It was just a terrible one. <laughs> I mean, it was an action movie. I guess. Um, yeah. Well, I, I don't think I'll... Because I was thinking about going to the Escape Plan 3 well, but not after Cliffhanger. <laughs> I don't think that would be a good idea. Fair enough. Well, Cliffhanger... So that'll be the one we can save. All right. <laughs> Escape Plan 3 We can be, be looking the one we can forward, forward to, to Escape Plan 3. I don't know. 
Well, who knows? I don't want to judge it before we see it. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but I'm looking forward to a cliffhanger. All right. Well, uh, I am too. So if you like the show, please like us on your podcast app of choice uh, and write us a favorable review. And we'd uh, certainly love to hear your thoughts and comments uh, on Twitter at Arms Race Podcast. Yeah, and if you enjoy the show, let uh, people know about the show, your friends and family. They may also like the show. You never know. We'll be back with Cliffhanger.